Hey everybody, welcome to welcome back to the Fuel the Geek podcast. This is episode eight. I'm here with Mike Flores, our admin. Say what's up. Hey, what's going on, guys? And we have a special guest today, uh, Alex Boom. Yes, sir. How <laughs> you doing? Who is uh, one of our horror experts, and uh, we wanted to uh, get him on and talk a little bit about, you know, what we love about horror movies and comics and oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So earlier, before we got here, we were talking a little bit about uh, some old school movies. Um, so tell us, what's one of your favorites, Alex? Uh, we were just talking about Shocker. Oh, yes, I, Shocker. Wes Craven, just bringing the pain, Mitch Pileggi. It was it was it was astounding to watch that movie. There were so many. It was filled with just all the cheese <laughs> that you needed horror to be back when when horror could be horror without having to worry about the sensitivities of the modern audience and trying to be serious with everything they did. Horror could just be what it is and have fun. It uh, oh man, it's been so long since I've seen Shocker. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones too. And one of the things I love about horror movies is just that they can always they could either be cheesy or just gory. You know, there can be sure. a bunch of different things. Oh yeah. Well, it's like how Nightmare on Elm Street started as an actual you know horror movie, and as it you know progressed, it turned more into like a campy, fun, funnier right, kind right, of, but right. still a horror movie. But you know that kind of you know cheesy right you know. It, it satirized itself you'll exactly. find that in a lot of a lot of the uh, the industries uh, one of the the things that directors like to follow when it comes to horror especially the old school horror toby hooper pioneered much like a lot of horror toby hooper's to blame for texas chainsaw massacre the fun house poltergeist and that that one's always up for debate movie hounds will argue back and forth whether it was spielberg or toby hooper Though they've, it's been on the record many times that Hooper was the main director and Spielberg stepped in later. But you can see the influence. One of the things Hooper did to change horror was with the sequel. When Hooper, Hooper only did the first two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Most directors only do the initial and then they back out because the rights are owned by the production company or what have you. So they'll bring in other directors to do later films. Like there's never been. Craven only did two Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the first and the last one. Uh, Hooper did the first two Tanks Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. The difference was when he did the second movie, he wanted it to be a satirization of itself. It still has its seriousness. It's still very scary, very over the top, good gore, great jumps. It's it's very much as vicious as the original film. The thing was, it also parodied itself very hardcore. Even to the point where the chainsaw that Leatherface carries in that movie is almost seven foot long. It's, it's, oh, wow. I it's, know that. he used a, <laughs> a lumberjack chainsaw, an actual tree saw. So they're much longer saws. It was so big that the guy, uh, Bill Johnson, who played Leatherface, couldn't even carry it. And he was a big guy. And he was a big guy. They had to have his stuntman just to do the scenes carrying the chainsaw. Oh, wow. So it, it allowed them to, to satirize, and a lot of horror went on to do that in, in the 80s and the 90s, that, that have fun with it. Let's amp it up. Let's see what we can do. Because when they tried to maintain seriousness and go with that narrative, horror fans, in a way, would kind of shirk away from it. If you look at what happened with Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. It, it doesn't follow the story of Nancy. It doesn't follow any of the, the tropes of the original film. It's a completely different 
family inside Nancy's house being stalked by Freddy. There's a lot of dynamics change, but it still very much tries to maintain a serious adage to the film. And if you ask a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street to this day what their least favorite nightmare film is, it'll almost be a resounding part two. Same with part three in Halloween. Yeah, because it has nothing to do with It has Michael nothing Myers. to do with Michael Myers. But they still tried to maintain a seriousness to it while staying in that universe, but away from the original trope. And if you ask fans, they will say the third is their least favorite, again with uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I've heard that the reason why they did that with the Halloween was that they wanted each one to be like like an anthology. They wanted right, each one to be right, different. Right. And it turned out biting them in the ass. Right. Carpenter originally envisioned an anthology series where it would just take place on Halloween. But when he did the second film and he continued the story from the original movie, it literally starts, part two starts, in the ambulance yes. at the last second, last frame of the first film. And it it gave such an anticipation for the next movie, people just assumed Michael Myers is going back after his sister. Let's pick up where we left off. But instead, they get kids trick or treating in mass and turn your head into rotting pumpkins. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> well, let me ask you, Alex. Uh, what's your favorite? Um, I guess like um, movie as far as like series, like you know Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, or Friday Thirteenth, or Halloween, or like, what's your favorite it's, collection? It changed over the years. For the longest time, it was a Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm, I'm still. If I have to pick an intro into a series, a Nightmare on Elm Street is is my favorite. Sure. That movie it builds to such a crescendo, and it gave us so much that nobody was ready for. The Johnny Depp kill being sucked into the bed. Blood all over the ceiling. The marshmallows up the stairs. One of the absolute best kill scenes in any horror film, hands down, outside of you know, the Japanese gore films. It's hard to beat. But over the years, it it's shifted. As much as I love A Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm, I've slowly been delving deeper into Friday the 13th. And, and I think it all, it, if, uh, if I may, it, it really goes into back to when Freddy vs. Jason was coming out. We sat down, we were gonna, we're gonna run the marathon, we're gonna watch all the Fridays, and we're gonna watch all the nightmares, and we're gonna drink, and we're gonna get loaded, and we're gonna have a good time. Every time somebody dies, you take a drink. Every time somebody screams, you take a drink. We're just gonna have a great time. We're Sounds gonna like a great game. Holy crap, <laughs> there was a lot of beer. We drank <laughs> a lot. And there's a lot of movies. I mean, you looked at it at that point, there were 10 Friday the 13th movies. Uh, don't and remind me about Jason or wait. Yeah, Jason X was out. Yeah, don't you dare because this goes. Oh, you said Jason ten. X. You said ten, and it made me think. Right. <laughs> this this kind of goes. This goes into Jason X. So we're watching these, and we finish the nightmare films, and we get into the meat. We get into Friday the Thirteenth. So we're counting kills. We're looking at things. Every time the doomsayer pops up, you're doomed. We're like, oh, there's a tally mark. Take a drink. And I started noticing something. Only Josh Cunningham, uh, who directed the original Nightmare, or uh, directed the original Friday the 13th, only did the one movie. But so much of that film carries into each movie that I didn't realize that each director was paying more and more love to the original. We found that there was a a series of events 
that needed to occur before a Friday the 13th film could be completed. As lame as it sounds, it became something that started, started to develop. Every movie we watched, these little things had to occur before the movie could end. And it's, there's a lot of really simple ones, like someone has to die by machete. There needs to be premarital sex. There needs to be alcohol. There needs to be drug use. There needs to be Camp Crystal Lake, right? These are all things that need to happen. There does not need to be a Jason Voorhees in a hockey mask because Jason doesn't even get a mask until the third film. And he doesn't kill anybody until the second film. He's only in a dream sequence in the first film. So Jason is not even a necessity. But there were those factors that had to exist. There had to be premarital sex, drug use, there's going to be some tits, (laughs) machete death, Camp Crystal Lake. Had to happen. Boom, boom, boom. Every single movie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Jason X happened. I had never noticed this until we sat down for the Freddy vs. Jason marathon. I'd seen Jason X probably a dozen times at that point. I'm a fan. I think it's great. I like it. I like the camping. I have a great time. It's one of those things about horror. It's, it's get, get a little crazy. I want the, the nastiness. So in the movie, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of, of premarital sex amongst the people on the ship. Jason gets his machete and kills somebody. Cool. The movie goes on. There's, they're in space. The movie doesn't even start at Camp Crystal Lake. So that has not been fulfilled. There's no nudity. There's no drinking. So there's three big pieces right now that have not happened. And that more than likely will not happen. And then Jason steps in to the, what's basically the holodeck of the movie. (laughs) The the simulator, right? (laughs) So that we need to give this guy something to slow him down. So the, the robot goes clicking and clacking on the keyboards and the interwebs and Camp Crystal Lake appears. Boom. Take that hash mark. There's Camp Crystal Lake. Jason looks around. Kane Hodder, my favorite Jason. I've met him many times. He's signed machetes for me and action figures. I'm such a stupendous fan of Kane Hodder as an actor, as a stuntman. Love his work. He looks around the simulator, doesn't see anything enticing, looks across, sees the exit where the students are still standing, starts making his way toward the students. They say, we have to give him something to do. We have to keep him busy. Click, 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 click. Suddenly you hear, hey, and he turns around and there's two women standing. <laughs> Topless. No, no, they're wearing oh, shirts. Oh, that's right, yeah. They're wearing Camp Crystal Lake <laughs> shirts, right? One of them says, one of them holds up a joint. You want to smoke some pot? <laughs> the other one holds up a bottle of Jack Daniels. You want to drink? <laughs> You want to have premarital <laughs> sex? And they take their shirts off. In that 60-second window, they paid homage to all the other Friday the 13ths that came before them. They, it's like they, they paid attention to those movies as much as I did. And it's, it's that, that love. It's that devil in the detail. It's that thing that, that horror weak, does. Weak Right. It's that, look, we know you're here. We know you've been watching since the beginning. This one's for you, guy. You know what I mean? That's that little pat when nobody's looking. It's like, that one's yours. That one's yours. And that's, that's what I love about horror. Is that it, it, it's not afraid at its core to have fun. 
even when it's trying to be serious, there's still a level of fun in there somewhere. And I've never found another genre that allowed me to just let go and have fun, like like horror. Yeah, I uh, my love is a little different. Um, I if anyone anyone that knows me knows that I'm not a I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'm not someone who goes out of their way to do crazy things. I don't like roller coasters because I'm freakishly scared of heights. So <laughs> what started for me was because um, horror is for me movie wise. It is a way to get scared, but still be safe. Does sure, that, that sure. make sense? You, you maintain that yeah. control. Yeah. So that's what got me started on it. And But then I learned, you know, like you said, you know, there are so many parts of it. It, it doesn't take itself seriously. You can have the, the ones that are, like, extremely scary, you know, and you can... But you can always tell yourself, this isn't real. Yeah. But yeah. you do get that one, and I cannot remember the name of it. You might know it. The one where it's the kids in the house and there's serial killers escape from prison and they're trying to get to him. I believe that's Sam Rockwell in it um, as a kid. Uh, And I cannot remember the name of it, but it was like a a real-life situation watching it as a kid. Um, You know, and these these serial killers are trying to get into the house to kill him. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I cannot remember the name of it. It's on too much time. And they had the controversy because the director actually molested one of the children. You're talking about Clown House. Yes. Yes, it is a banned movie because the director molested the lead and filmed it. And became a registered sex offender. Went on to do Jeepers Creepers 1, 2, and 3. Oh, you were telling me about that. And see, I was was a fan of the first Jeepers Creepers. And I I had never known any of that. I was too until I I found out about the whole thing. And after that, I won't spend my money I didn't know that about Jeepers Creepers until now I knew about the the, the he directed all three yeah and that that start that's always comes up in the horror community that's 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 the black yeah because he because he does he uh the creeper he does the conventions right right Right. he just did Frightmare yeah yeah this last year and it's it's a very big thing the argument becomes you know do we separate the art from the artist at what point does does the artist do they do they stain their art so much, like Roman Polanski, yeah. you know, molesting underage girls and fleeing to Italy, where he can never be extradited due to certain restrictions, but he's still putting out Oscar-winning films. Do we do we watch these movies and forget the fact that he's molesting uh, some, underage some, girls? There are some lines or? that I, I there are some lines right, that once right. they cross. Horror horror. From, I started very young. My dad, my dad. He got me some horror movies. He got me like A Nightmare on Elm Street and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think he wanted to scare me. I was very young. And he made me sit down and watch him with him. And I just remember being enamored. Just so, seeing this this spectacle. Just, oh my God, what is this? This is insane. <laughs> so what was what movie kept you up at night? Or, or gave you nightmares? It's... it's you, uh, one movie that you can say that as as a kid teenager you know before you were aware of life um actually scared you it's difficult i'm I'm not scared easily by movies i think the movie that that unsettled me the most going going on for a long time and and i still appreciate it is poltergeist toby hooper's use of static in that movie is unnervingly good and there's a scene like where Joe Beth Williams and, and, and Craig T. Nelson, the, the mother and father, are in their bedroom. And 
the little girl Carol Ann, they wake up and this, you just hear the yeah. of the static and you can see her outline and she's touching the television and you can hear kind of the voices and the static but it's very faint it's hard to pick up and just the he, he uses very little music it's just the slightest undertone of music the static is the main character in this scene yeah, it yeah, is it, the antagonist yeah. and it's it's just creepy because back then that happened I woke up in the middle of the night leaving my TV on because I'd be watching a movie and I'd fall asleep. You wake up and the static would be on and you turn the TV off. So it was something that was very present. And for years when I would hear that, that of static, even if it was on a television show where they were going flipping channels, you'd hear that static. I would think of Poltergeist. I would see that little girl touching the television and it'd give me goosebumps because it's, it was just something that he took something so innocuous as television staff but was able to make that the monster the, the thing that you're not you're not aware of that's ever present and yeah. it's right there it's in your bedroom it's in your living room I didn't care about monsters under the bed nothing in the closet was going to scare me but the the static on the television was was it was genius it that makes sense I, I think uh, um, Poltergeist is, a, is one for a lot of people I have a friend who's freakishly scared of clowns. Dude, the clown under the bed. And... That clown was so <laughs> ingeniously good. Whoever painted that clown, I need to look it up because whoever did that just just ruined so many nights of sleep for so many people <laughs> because they just talk about that clown. And in that remake, they did the clown looked garbage, but that original. See, I never saw the remake. Um, I'm real real picky about remakes especially with horror movies especially with amazing horror movies right right. when you have something as as pivotal as older guys I think is a big problem a lot of people are having with the new child's play Mm. nobody wants nobody wants their you know their child's play to be ruined but I still want to see it I, I, I think the take on it is 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 relevant and I want to see it. And I've heard actually pretty good things about it. I've, I've heard good reviews. I think one of the things that really gave the Child's Play remake, reboot, whatever it happens to be, the stink eye, was right after it was announced that it wasn't going to contain anything from the originals. Not the character design, not even the name of the doll. You know, they're no longer good guy dolls, now they're buddy dolls. They were changing everything, but they weren't bringing in Brad Dourif. And that was irritating a lot of horror fans. Yeah, because he's he's a fan favorite. He's also and he does he does the, he does comp. They yeah. also announced like right after that the original director is going to be working on a new Chucky series with Brad Dourif. The doing TV the series, voice. right? Right, like Netflix or something. Right. right, and it's going to use Dourif for Chucky. So it was a sore spot. It wasn't yeah. you didn't ask Brad. It was we're going in a different direction now. It's competition. It was almost giving him the finger. Yeah. Right. So, what about you, Mike? What movie? kept you up Nightmare on Elm Street oh it's good the the fact that you can't run from it it's in your dreams you can't escape it you you can't go out the door you can't run down the street you can't get in the car because you eventually you have to go to bed and will go to sleep and the thing that scared me the most was the marshmallow stairs (laughs) that that haunted me that's real life nightmare feel because everybody's (laughs) had that when they're trying to run in their dreams but they can't get anywhere that was all that you could you felt that in your core yeah, and knowing that, like you said, you can't, you got to go to sleep at some point. That's right. You know, even the number three, you know, with Patricia Arquette, you know, taking the no-dose, 
making the house, you know, you dream blink wars. And you're, you're done. Yeah. yeah. You you blink and you you're asleep. You don't know that you're asleep. Right. And that's the scary part for me was just like you never been, you just blink and the next thing you know you open your eyes again and you're asleep. Right. But you don't know it. Right. Yeah. Man, mine feels weak sauce compared to yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> mine is a uh, The Gate with Stephen Dorff. Really? Yeah. I, I saw mean, I saw it in the movies when I was five or something and uh it 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 scared me more than any other movie I've ever seen. It had good ambiance. It, it was weird. The kids alone. Well, I mean, like I just just yeah, being left alone, being in the suburbs like that. Right, right, right. Um, the little demons, like they scare. Like I was, I can see them in my brain right now. The you most, know, the most pathetic the, demon bad guys. Uh, the, the little claymation. Yeah, the claymation. <laughs> like that is freak. Like to you know, to a little kid who's five or six, like that's freaky. And I, I remember sitting in the and the dollar movie and like I have my feet up on my chair and you know I'm all scared worrying about it and uh like I can't listen to hair metal I need to buy rockets <laughs> I gotta have rockets to kill the demons <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's so cheesy but I mean it was a uh, you know when I was little my my parents would just drop me off at the the movies and we'd be there all day and it, it was probably the first real horror movie I, I had seen and it I had nightmares there were times when I couldn't sleep just because of it I liked their voices. They they had that weird. Oh yeah, little scratch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounded, See, it sounded like when they would the kid was playing the record backwards. Had yeah. That yeah. Brr, 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 so brr. funny thing about about the movie and me is that um, so like, you know, if if you see something so many times, you kind of get used to it and it sure. doesn't have the same effect. Right, you desensitize. So, yeah. So you know, I I you know I loved it. It scared the crap out of me, but I loved it. So I've watched it millions of times or whatever. Um. But it didn't scare me after, you know, after sure. seeing it the 20th time. So, um, I remember I was a teenager and I, I must have been like 13 or something. And, uh, my older brother and his girlfriend had just had their first baby and their baby, I mean, it must have been a year at this point where the baby could walk or stand up at least. And, uh, they shared a room with us. And I woke up in the middle of the night one time. The kid toddling across the floor. And it was just standing there. The baby was just standing there. And you know, babies, like, you know, they're little. They're the same size as those little demons. And I was scared out of my mind. Did you take a swing at it? No. Well, I would have. Little bastard. Like, I mean, I had never in my life been so... Like, you know, and for some people it's never happened. But for... You know, those select few, there's times when you've been so scared that you can't move. Sure. Like, yeah. that was me. Sure. Like, I could not move. So, uh, <laughs> needless to say, it, it, that movie scared the crap out of me, but it's probably my favorite horror movie. I, I have a moment like that. It wasn't <laughs> me that got scared. A friend of mine went and I went and saw The Ring when it came out. We were big fans of the Japanese original, went and saw The Ring. I enjoyed it, thought it was a good time. At the time, I had very, very long hair. We went back to his place. He was staying in this little motel where his wife worked and we you know, drinking after the movie, having a good time. We get blitzed and we go to sleep. We wake up. I wake up. It's about four in the morning. Tire room's dark, but the TV's on and there's static. I wake up and I walk over to the TV. I'm going to turn it off because poltergeist. Yeah. This is, I have to turn it off. I can't sleep with the static driving me crazy. I must have stirred him because he sits up and he looks and he says, says hello and I guess I turned the room's pitch black except for the screen behind me so I turn and there's this static 
and my hair's hanging in my face. And he starts to scream oh. the most incredibly high. This is a big man, <laughs> a big guy. Had to be at least six six, covered head to toe in tattoos. Looked like the angriest biker ever. Complete teddy bear. Started screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Freaking out. Freaked me out. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I started fumbling for the light switch. He thought it was. He thought it was that... uh, Samsara from the ring, and he he couldn't. He couldn't. Couldn't do it. After that, their TV got turned off before. <laughs> <laughs> turned off and unplugged. Yeah, we're, we're not doing any of that tonight. We're not doing. Wow. Um, well, we're we're gonna bring this to an end. I want to big say a big thank you to Alex for being here. Um, and Mike, and uh, man, that was a those were some good stories. Yeah, dude, we got a million of them. Got a million of them. Um, before we go, we wanted to uh, do a shout out to Mark uh, for winning. Um, our Batman 50s, he was added by Alex. Mark Haynes! Yeah, we're uh, happy that you got it. Uh, we have a couple more giveaways coming coming soon. Uh, San Diego Comic Con is coming up next month, and we're going to be attending that. So keep a lookout. Uh, we have one more podcast before that. But expect a, a series of uh, episodes for Comic Con. We got a, a couple of special guest appearances, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we're also gonna be having, uh, I believe, we call it the five days of giveaway or something. Oh yeah, we're gonna Still be working on the title. We're, for yeah, we're we're gonna be doing <laughs> five some five days of working progress. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be doing some uh, some big major giveaways uh, to thank all of the all the new members and everybody that takes a, a listen to our little podcast here. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for listening. And like always, just let us know in the comments what you think. And uh, thanks, guys. Until next time. Bye.